Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. You, you want to pour the love of Christ in other people and, and show that you really care and, and you care about their healing because, you know, personal training, um, there's a lot of healing that goes on there. Welcome to episode 151 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Brandon Cunningham is coming on board with me as we have a conversation with a man named Rob Decker. Now, have you ever had a conversation with a guy who jumped out of a third-story building trying to break his neck and failed? Well, that's who we've got. Rob is going to share with us his story of uh, coming through a very rough childhood, going through a very rough teenage period, and then just living a life uh, not really in a in a rut, I would say. This was a deep rut. Uh, in fact, he refers to it as a gutter. It just culminated in him jumping out of a third-story window and in that same night, seeing his life take a turn for the better. And so we're going to share with you his story and what was it in his life that turned things around and just how he got through the struggles that he'd faced through his whole life to live his life beyond the rut. Here we go. All right, Brandon, welcome back. Uh, you're alive, still good? I'm still kicking. There we go. That's what we want. Uh, we also have with us, as said in the intro, Rob Decker, calling from Colorado. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. How are you gentlemen doing? Doing well. Our listeners know that Brandon's claim to fame is that he got himself blocked on Twitter by Rob Lowe. And nice. I, I keep trying to help him out to get some tips like for two things. One, either to get unblocked by Rob, or if Rob were to you know unblock him and befriend him, uh, what could Brandon do to help him out? So using your fitness background, let's say the scenario is Rob Lowe has now finally unblocked Brandon on Twitter. And then asks Brandon for some triathlete advice or some sort of fitness advice. Uh, what kind of advice should Brandon give Rob Lowe based on what little we may or may not know about <laughs> Rob Lowe's actual acting career? Wow. <laughs> I could be a journalist of like a really horrible magazine, pretty, right? <laughs> I'm telling you. you. You could just be like, if you want your physique and you want to reach your goals – and for those to be more successful than your career has been, come see me. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Now, Brandon, your job is to get that down to 140 characters. There you go. I can do it. <laughs> so when this happens, you're ready to rock and roll with that answer. You well, got it? One thing that just hit me that I could probably tell him is from now on, we're only having people named Rob on the show. Okay. So there you I go. basically dedicated the show to you. You got to come back. Unblock me on Twitter. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I wish like so. I know, so I know a Rob. Yeah, right? I know a so Rob. I know a Rob. So, so we're basically, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm good with the right. Rob community. I Where mean, did this just go? <laughs> yeah, I tr I truly wouldn't harass him on Twitter. Like yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> and, and just I, say you're sorry, man. Yeah, just, I, I, just, if, I wished I knew what I did. I was like, I was a fan. I don't know what I did. Uh, oh. Hashtag unblogged Brandon. That's <laughs> there we go. Now, there's a picture on your website that really took me by surprise uh, when I was looking mm -hmm. through your gallery and, and video clips and so on. And it's an X-ray of your spinal mm. column with yeah. um, with some grafts onto it, some bracing and rods grafted onto yes. it. 
And I was like, what the heck happened here? Because I, I was looking through pictures first before I read bios. It's all Photoshop. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, not even me, bro. You didn't go to the website, man. <laughs> I saw him on Instagram today. It's all Photoshop. Right, right. But yeah, it just blew my mind. I'm like, man, what did he do to get that in there? When I read your bio, I was like, holy cow. And yeah. if, if I read it correctly, you, you jumped out of a window uh, Correct. In in a an attempt to end your life, uh, and of course, as we know now, God had a completely different plan and said, <laughs> "No, sir, we got something else going on for you." Do Do you mind if we go in that direction and and tell Not us? Not at all. What was it that uh, led you to that jumping point? Um, oh, for sure. Um, you know, I like to consider that moment the perfect storm of events. Um, it was the one event that was the tipping point for me. You know, it all really started for me as a, a child in childhood. And I was born to a mother who was raped and beaten and outcasted by her own family. And she was thrown into foster homes. And someone had suggested to her that she had an abortion. And, you know, my mom didn't want to have an abortion. Uh, she eventually met the man that I call father when I was about six months old. And then she got pregnant again. And they had my sister and and my my mom and dad got married. They're just two people that probably shouldn't have been together. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my dad came from a certain background. And, you know, from my understanding, he was the product of his father raping his mother. Uh, that's the story that I heard. And, you know, my mother, she was the oldest of five kids. And so, you know, she was kind of the example. And, you know, she had had all her troubles. And so she didn't really get to grow up really, you know, when she was like 16 or 17, she got pregnant with me. And, you know, you have these two people that come from these dysfunctional backgrounds and have issues that they never dealt with. And they drank alcohol and, and they used drugs. And so my childhood was full of watching my parents fight and argue. And things started to get more challenging and more challenging with my parents as time went on, the drugs continued, the alcohol continued, and um, they just started drifting further and further apart into a point where uh, my dad no longer lived in the home. He lived with his girlfriend outside of the home. My mom, she was strung out on, on drugs. So she was like going to different cities with family members. And there was a point in time where my sister and my myself were living in a house by ourselves. Uh, my dad was paying rent, but at some point, even the electricity went off. We had to fend for ourselves and get food. So we had these, you know, two young kids. We were probably like 14 or 15, something along those lines. You know, it was just kind of a hangout spot where we all drank and used drugs. And, you know, I started drinking at what, 14 or 15, started using marijuana. And then the marijuana led into um, acid, acid led into shrooms. Yeah. Uh, eventually I was doing cocaine. Eventually I got kicked out or we all got kicked, kicked out of the house. There was so much trouble, so many problems <laughs> coming our way in our Imagine. home. The police basically told the landlord, like, you guys have to go. So now I was fortunate in the sense of I had some friends from high school and, and their family really cared about me and they brought me in and they wanted to help. You know, they felt like I was a good kid and they wanted to help me out a lot. And and they did. They did a, a lot of that. Um, but there was always a part of me that, you know, wanted to be close to my real family. You know, I wanted to be close to my mom and I wanted to be close to my dad and my sister. And so there was always this big gaping hole in me when it came to that stuff. And, you know, I'd get into these relationships with young ladies. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, if the girl was really good to me, you know, I would 
I would wrong her in so many ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was attracted to the woman that was full of issues, you know, because I was, I was used to all all the chaos in my life. Right. Eventually I was about 28, 29 years old and I had met this young lady. Um, I was selling drugs at the time. I wasn't really working. I had got fired from my job. I was selling a human growth hormone and steroids and I had taken a check for those drugs to the bank. And I met this young lady at the bank and I was actually driving the car of the girl I was currently seeing at the time. Um, that was kind of like my mindset. I was always, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it was total survival mode. It was all about me all the time. Like I was, a, I was a dog, you know, I was a dog in my twenties, my teens and twenties when it came to relationships, it was, you know, I, I think it, it made me feel good, uh, not to hurt all these girls, but to, to know that these women were attracted to me and, and that I could be with them and, and hang out with them and stuff like that. And, yeah. and then plus there was that kind of like the image, you know, like, Oh, Rob, you know, w- you know, has all the, the girls and stuff like that. It's, yeah. I was trying to create some kind of, you know, worth for myself. I was trying to create Absolutely. some kind of value for myself. And, uh, I did that through fitness and, and, and through dating, I guess. And, you know, I met this young lady at the bank and, we exchanged numbers. And, and the crazy thing is like, I really knew that this was going to be a troubling situation. I, I just yep. knew it. <laughs> and, uh, I chose to move forward with it anyway. And, uh, we saw each other for a few months and, and it was, um, it just was a, it was a really bad relationship. It was, you know, there was so much chaos. There was so, there was so much arguing and, and putting down, and um, there was great dysfunction. And I know that she came out of a dysfunctional background herself. I know that her dad had cleaned out the bank account and and left the family behind her, her brother and her mother. You know, she kind of led me to believe that, you know, her father perhaps maybe molested her or raped her. It's not a conversation we really got deep into. It's not, I don't think it's something she really wanted to venture into, but I always had that sense that something like that happened. and. Our relationship was what it was, and it was highly dysfunctional, and eventually it it became so dysfunctional that we had to break up. And in that time of the breakup, she turned into escorting. She started to sell her body so that she could have the finer things in life because, you know, no one was there to support her. And, And I think that her mom had pressed into her, you know, take be self sufficient, take care of yourself. And I doubt that's what her mom meant, but She chose that path. And I eventually found out about that from a friend and I ended up calling her up. And at that time I had just got saved at that time. It was maybe within a month or two prior to me making that phone call. My buddy had invited me to a Bible study and I had met this gentleman at a a previous job, my last job that I got fired from. And he was always preaching God to me is always preaching yeah. Jesus. And not to say that I ever really denied who Jesus was, because I it's crazy. I always believed in him. I didn't know a whole bunch about him. Yeah. I, there was something about him that I believed in, but I also wasn't ready to give up my lifestyle and drink and party and, you know, uh, do the things that I shouldn't have been doing. And You wanted to be in control. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And you were good at um, it. From your perspective, you were pretty good at it. So why would you give that up? Absolutely. Well, it's all I had, right? You know, I didn't really have much in in my life. And so that's what I had. And that's what I wanted to keep. And, you know, I had uh, 
gone to this Bible study and these guys were amazing and I got saved and had a great experience there. Like I, my, I was, they were praying over me and I was shaking and I was in an air conditioned room and, you know, it was, it, it, and I was sweating. It was, it was the created, you know, it was so supernatural what happened in that room that day. And, um, I proceeded to continue to go to Bible studies and fellowship with these guys and, and go to church and read the word and all that was going on. And I decided to jump back into this young lady's life. You know, the deal was that she was going to cut a lot of these clients loose. And from my understanding, she pretty much cut all of them loose. Um, she wanted to work it out. I wanted to work it out. And she had this one last trip and her client takes her to Hawaii while she's in Hawaii, she's calling me up and she's sending me pictures of a black eye. And she's telling me how he's disrespecting her and forcing himself. Another like, uh, like a rape situation. She said no. And he continued to proceed because he was paying for that. Right. right. And he was disrespecting her or treating her really poorly in, in front of other people. And, you know, she vowed that when she got back from that trip that we'd work things out. And I agreed to it. Well, she came home from Hawaii she had picked me up and we went to the liquor store, picked up some alcohol, went back to her place. Well, we get into this conversation and, and you know, it was, it was a lot for me to handle. Um, the fact that all that stuff had happened to her while she was in Hawaii was messing with me. And we ended up getting in, getting into an argument and I went downstairs uh, to shake it off while I'm down there. I hear her banging at the door and uh, she comes downstairs and, and I ask her what's going on and she looks at me and she says, I called the cops and I told them that you uh, raped me and that you tried to kill me. And in that moment, I was just so, I was just so overwhelmed. I, I felt betrayed. I was hurt. I was confused. Um, there was just a whole lot of feelings that weren't peaceful that were, were jolting through me. Um, and my life, you know, just the thought of, going to prison for something I didn't do flashed before me. I mean, you know, the amount of stuff in the short period of time that actually kind of jolts through your head is pretty intense. And it's, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, so, it's so once it's, the cops got involved and then now yeah. you've got to face this whole issue of something you didn't do, but did happen. So there's some evidence that some stuff happened. It just wasn't you. So you correct pin for this was really pretty simple. It's kind of an open and shut case. Plus you're drunk and you're probably doing other things and they had right. a reputation on you anyway. So it wasn't a very hard case to make, I would imagine. No. So and and I've been in so much trouble that? in the past. And I think there was just a paper trail with my name all over it. And, right. um, you know, it was all bad. And, and, you know, I think just the whole situation and, you know, the path that I was on outside of the, the time that I got saved, you know, I really had a hopeless life and I really, I pounded a lot of drugs into my system and I drank a lot of alcohol. And, and, and I think part of my hope was always that I was going to, it was just going to end someday. And I think that in this moment was fight or flight. I was over it. You know, I, I just told her I couldn't do this anymore. You know, I, I didn't have much going for me. You know, I committed to jumping headfirst out of that closed window and taking my life. And that's what I did. I bolted toward that window and super banned through that, that glass with the intention of breaking my neck. I just figured that was the way to go. When I jumped through the window, my foot caught an awning on the, the floor below it. And 
I, I spun and changed my fall, and I ended up shattering my left arm, breaking my right wrist, uh, collapsing my left lung, and breaking my back, severing my L2 uh, vertebrae in my lower back. It was completely severed, and I laid there. I didn't knock out. I looked up at that window, gasping for air, asking God why. You know, why would you let me live? And uh, I went under the knife for about nine hours. Uh, woke up, you know, I was mangled. And I'm um, assuming you're alone because you, you're you're not with your family. So are you just in the hospital no. alone? When all that happened, you know, I was in the hospital alone, but I woke up to the police showing up to the hospital. And they're just like, Mr. Decker, you're under arrest for rape and attempted murder. And here's a million dollar bail. Right. And we're going to throw handcuffs on you and attach you to the bed. Because you're a flight risk. Um, <laughs> you don't sound right. like much of a flight risk. <laughs> I was but just okay. thinking, yeah. this story think, can't get any lower. And then it's like, these guys show up and put you in handcuffs yeah. to the bed. I'm like, right. oh, yeah, it, it just got lower. Okay. Like if anything, you <laughs> right, proved right. you can't fly and you are not a flight risk. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Uh, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, man. And, and, and that was that was like insult to injury, you know. <laughs> um, but then I had 24-hour surveillance, and there was this police officer there. You know, and I have – they have to sit in that room and watch me. That's what they do. That is their shift. God bless them. And um, – yeah, he was miserable. I could tell he was miserable. Oh, he'd, he'd rather be hitting the streets, like really looking for some trouble, but not watching this guy that's all broken and beaten and battered. And yeah, I'm in charge of watching this rock escape. Like, this rock's not going anywhere. <laughs> this non-Superman individual, <laughs> this guy thinks he can fly. Um, he's sitting there and he's he's reading the police report in front of me. He's like, you know, Mr. Decker, I'm reading the report here, and you know, you're just a really bad person. You know, like this is severe stuff, you know? And, and, uh, you know, I looked up at him and I said, sir, I've made a lot of bad choices in my life, made a lot of bad decisions, but that's just not one of them. Um, you know, I really cared about that girl and maybe I didn't do it the right way. I would never inflicted that on her. That wasn't the case. And I started to break down crying because I was really hurt by the situation to, to think yeah. that I could be accused. I mean, not to say I was a saint by any means. I was right. a pretty, aggressive guy you know but not in the sense of like taking that from a woman that's just not something i would do you know i, I start crying like i'm crying the nurse has to come in and calm me down and you know they want your blood pressure remain in a certain place and as the nurse was leaving the young lady shows up with her sister you know and and so she just got her hair done <laughs> she's wearing sunglasses so she's trying in a way to conceal her identity. It's not like, I mean, I know who it is, but you know, she made some alterations to herself and she's holding a folder and 
you know, the police officer looks up at me and it, trust me, this guy was not a nice guy to me. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. he was, y'all don't hang out just, later. <laughs> Is that where that story goes? We became best friends. <laughs> <laughs> right now we go to church together. <laughs> um, <laughs> I play with his kids all the time. He there actually named go. one of them after me. So, <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> that's another story for next year. <laughs> right. Right. But we can do the Hollywood version and totally flip yeah. it. Right. Like just take a little truth and blow it up and <laughs> create an awesome movie out of it but um but yeah you know he looks up at me and he goes for everything that has happened to that that woman like this just doesn't make sense you know for her to to show up to the hospital and you know i confirmed it was her you know he he's like you know is is this who i think it is yeah you know and 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 so he escorted her out that night um you know i was sitting there talking to god and keep in mind, like, I'm in a hospital. It's bright. There's nurses and doctors constantly coming in and out. You know, I have people in the room, right? I have a person in the room. You hear my heart rate monitor. You hear, you know, the, the speakers, the oxygen's right. going. And, you know, you hear all these noises. And all of a sudden, as I'm talking to God, like, you know, what happens from here? What are we going to do? Like, I get this, this peace. Like that just starts at the top of my head and just starts to cover me like a blanket. And um, it gets silent. It gets dark. The pain starts to subside a little bit. And I hear this voice, this, this clear whisper that says, the charges will be dropped. Your bills will be paid and you will walk again. And I doze off into this vision of playing soccer. A couple days pass and, and, uh, the police come in. It's a different set of police. And they're just like, Mr. Decker, uh, you're no longer under arrest. Charges have been dropped. Wow. Um, you know, and at this point, I still can't walk, right? But um, now that I don't have 24-hour surveillance, I'm allowed to have visitors. You know, when you're under arrest like that, you're basically in a jail cell, even though it's the hospital. Yeah, exactly. And uh, my mom comes in, and she's bawling her eyes out. And, and I know that you know, I know what the doctor just told her, you know, the doctor said I was never going to walk again. I just knew it. And she comes in and she's bawling around. She's just like, you know, they said you're never going to walk again. And, you know, I really doubted that. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, well, you know, I want a second um, opinion. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, after what had just happened, I'm like, well, you know, um, truth is I couldn't even really sit up in the bed at this point without, uh, you know, very troubling pain. You know, my mom, you know, she just, she looks at me and, and, and she goes, uh, I just wish it had all ended that day, son. Wow. And, uh, you know, I understood where my mom was coming from, but I'm coming from a different place. I'm like, you know what? You know, my mom, after everything she's been through, she has a kid. He goes through all the same stuff. She has to witness it. And now look at how broken my, my boy is. And, and, uh, and I, I received that from my mom. And, and I, I know that she meant that from a loving place. And, as we were having that conversation, the nurses come in the room and like, Hey, we're going to try to get you to stand up. And I knew there was no way, there was absolutely no way that this was going down. But I did know this. I knew that my mom was in the room and I had to give my mom hope. Um, I had to show her that I was going to try. And Isaiah 53 ran through my head and, and I, I knew the shellacking that the Lord took for me. So for me to attempt to get up was the least I could do. In that moment, I gathered all those thoughts and I gathered that hope and those visions and, and I 
tried to stand up and when I stood up I squealed like a pig they had to set me back down on the bed and they had to inject me with pain medication and they're just like he's not walking it's not happening a neurosurgeon comes in later and says we're going to have to perform another surgery after that another uh, after that surgery they got me out of bed and I was able to drag my left foot I wasn't able to really walk but I was able to drag mm-hmm. my left foot I realized I'd be walking again when that happened because the Lord told me I was going to walk again. And uh, I was pretty excited. The nurse took me in the hall and she tried to walk me around. And and so my right leg is completely functioning where my left is dragging, but I'm treating my left leg like it's my right leg. And so I'm trying to like run through the hallway (laughs) and I'm over here doing circles, (laughs) running into the wall (laughs) And the, and the nurse is just like, you're going to have to slow down, Mr. Decker. You know, it's, you know, it's going to take time. Uh, now, what happened to the hospital bills, though? I remember that was part oh, of the, yeah. the little vision that you had there. That Well, yeah. Well, it's crazy because, you know, after about two to three years of hospital stays, surgeries, physical therapy, and medications, turns out the state of California covered all those bills. And it was roughly two, $2 million worth of bills. Wow. And that's something that came way later, right? Because... First came the drop charges, then came me walking. And then so the whole bill thing really didn't, it didn't really click with me until years down the road when yeah. I didn't have to pay anything. <laughs> that is crazy. And yeah. Then, and then soccer, how did, how did that come So here's the crazy thing. <laughs> so for me, what I believe, I think that because God is the ultimate multitasker. <laughs> yeah. And I think the vision that he was giving me was one, you're going to be extremely physically active. The the one thing I do know about a great soccer player is that the best of the best tend to be the most conditioned, right? Right. I can barely walk and he's showing me that I'm running around kicking a soccer ball. <laughs> but the second thing is is that my wife's a soccer player and a pretty darn good soccer player. That's pretty much how that's part of how I met her. You know, as I'm going through this rehabilitation process, Physical therapy gave up on me. They're like, you're done. This is as good as it gets. You know, basically, doctors are saying, you know, you're going to be medicated for the rest of your life. You know, if you get to enjoy any kind of life, you know, you might be able to go grocery shopping and for yourself and stuff like that. Like, you're not going to get under a bar and, and lift a weight. You're not going to you're not going to get on a field and play a sport. These are things that aren't in your future. And I had to put myself through this rehabilitation process where I grasped to the thought that, you know, God has a purpose for my life. He, he allowed me to survive that for a reason. He's already came through on a, on a few promises. And so I had to go through this process of, of healing and building my body back up. And, um, I was still struggling with alcohol. I was still on some pain medications. I knew that God didn't want me to be on disability for the rest of my life. I was slowly getting better. And I went and got a job um, as a personal trainer at this brand new gym that had just opened. And my heart was, this is going to be my ministry. God is going to use my broken back experience to pour into people that I work with as my clients. And so I I get into this job and um, my boss has this young lady train with me. It's her roommate. Her roommate is also a sales rep at the facility. And so my boss is like, hey, Alyssa, I want you to work with my new trainer. Tell me what he's all about. You know, 
tell me what his style is or whatever. And, um, you know, we hit it off pretty good. I ended up marrying that woman. Um, <laughs> so it's safe to say you passed great, the job interview. Yeah, that worked right, out right. okay, I guess. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> uh, <Good> <laughs> right? Resume was a little sketchy, but hey, you nailed the interview. You know, it's crazy because shortly after she ended up losing her job. I mean, it was within oh, wow. days of her and I really falling for each other. And, and you know, I told Alyssa right out the gate, like, here's my deal. I broke my back, suicide attempt. I've had all these issues. I owe all this money to this, 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 and this. Like, I'm like 50 grand in debt. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm still in this process. You know what? Alyssa, and she was 22 years old. I mean, my wife and my girlfriend at the time, you know, she was this this young, vibrant woman who was in her senior year at college dealing with this beaten, battered, broken man that is really starting life all over again that has all this baggage and all this debt and in our conversation she's just like you know what we can work on that together it was very impressive to be honest with you um and i knew that that was from the lord i mean what are the chances like i get this hot sicilian 22 year year old (laughs) chick that's about to graduate college who plays soccer by the way like she invited me to her soccer game it was a co-ed, co-ed. And I know the boys aren't nice to the girls when they're ball hogs with the girls. Like, yeah. and they want to rough up the girls because, because guys can be a little douchey like that when girls are on the same field. <laughs> exactly. But my wife, I wife, I watched Alyssa score three goals on the dudes. And I'm like, I gotta have babies with that woman. That, <laughs> exactly. We are going to produce like the most savage little athlete. <laughs> yeah. And, um, by the way, we had a, a son and he is so far a savage little athlete. <laughs> you know, yeah, I've seen but, yeah. him on uh, your Instagram. Uh, he's a cute little kid. Yeah, absolutely. He's an amazing, adorable, strong, smart, um, little guy. He really is. And, you know, a part of me is a proud father, but you know, I, I truly believe that God has blessed that boy. Um, but yeah, you know, she graduated college. Um, after she graduated college, um, I was still struggling with the alcohol. She quit two weeks before I quit because she wanted to lead by example. And I knew that alcohol was going to be an issue in our, in our relationship. And I needed, I needed a woman to take a stand against my drinking um, especially one that I really loved and respected, um, in order for me to stop. And, you know, some things transpired in our relationship, um, that I was forced to pick her or pick the alcohol. And, um, I had another God moment where I, you know, after everything he had already carried me through after this wonderful woman, he had introduced me to, he got me back into the workforce. I'm still messing with the alcohol and I end up, um, destroying her vehicle. And, um, in the midst of all that, I, I asked God, you know, Lord, if you salvage this relationship, um, I will move to Southern California with her because that's where she wanted to be. She wanted to be close to her family. Um, I will quit my job and go find another job. Right. And I will quit drinking. I will never drink again. And, and trust me, like I struggled with alcohol and I prayed about it a lot. It was just that one thing that I, I had a hard time shaking, um, no matter how good life was. Right. And, uh, you know, that's the last time I ever had a drink and, and we moved to Southern California and, you know, um, I've had no desire to drink alcohol at all. 
And I, I believe that's a total gift and a blessing from him because I know people that get into programs and they struggle. And, oh, yeah. you know, I just, I, I leaned on him, you know, he delivered me from, from that. And, you know, he constantly was healing me. He was taking the drugs and the alcohol away, you know, my family troubles, like, don't get me wrong. A lot of bad stuff happened to me as a juvenile and a toddler and all that stuff. But I love my sister. I love my father. I love my mother. Um, they have their own stuff going on, but I pray for them. I love them. I've forgiven them for all the stuff that has, has happened. You know, my heart's just full of, of love and, and, and forgiveness for people. And, and I believe those are, are gifts that he gave me as well. Absolutely. You know. And people that are not addicted don't understand the grip it can have. Yeah. And, you know, so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, you know, I've been praying and praying and praying and I've still not been released from it. That doesn't mean God's not listening. It just means right. that the time's not there yet. But keep praying, keep staying faithful, because in listening to your story, there wasn't a lot of evidence of of God showing up in your life. You know, it's easy now to look back and say, but I've laid in a hospital bed before. So I know sometimes you're laying there thinking, okay, God, I really got to get out of this bed. And the days get longer and longer and longer. There's not a lot of immediate evidence of it, but you saw the long-term goal and you, you, you started to, to buy into it and move and act. Sometimes we pray more than we move and we need to pray and move, you know, do the, do the work too. There has to be there has to be a little bit of action on on you know what's faith without works right like I got to put right. my faith into works like I have to go out there and I have to do my part and and um, that's what I was doing and and trust me there were so many days where I broke down crying because I was in <laughs> right. so much pain and I didn't see that it was going to get any better but I think I just helped I, I held on to the hope that God had me for a re- here for a reason He had right. a a great purpose for my life and. You know, even after everything I've been through, and like, there's things I didn't even touch on. Like, I was molested by a neighbor boy when I was young, you know, and, right. and you know, all the, just the, the abuse and getting picked on as a kid. And, you know, there was so much that happened in my life. And, and I, and I look back now and it, crazy as it may sound, I still see God's grace in all of it. You know, even right. though those heinous acts happened to me and a lot of troubling things occurred in my life. I get to talk about it now. I get to speak on it and I get to talk about a God who's grace, who great and a, and a Jesus who saves because I'm not going to let that stuff bog me down and prevent me from being the father or the leader or, or the man of God that I can be because I know that sin enter, enters this world. I know that my parents were inflicted by their own sin and they, they didn't address it. They didn't take it to the Lord, but I have a decision to make. Like I can serve him. You know, and, right. and, and I can make different choices and I can lead a different path and, you know, I can raise my son different, you know, and, and I can treat my wife different, but that's all him. You know, that, yeah. that's all, those are all gifts and, and characteristics that he's building in me. And he's used you know, all those um, broken pieces to build something. You know, you've got your, your personal training ministry that you can use, yeah. but you also wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in writing the missing piece in spirituality. Well, so I actually got a chapter in the book. I'm actually going to work on writing. Basically, I want to go a lot deeper and talk about a lot of things that we talked about in a, in a book. So um, I was offered <clears throat> a chapter in a book that was being written by this um, woman, Kate. One day I just I saw her on Instagram and I sent her a message and I'm like, I saw that she did some publishing stuff and it looked like positive and 
I just planted a seed, man. I was just like, Hey, here's my story. If you want to use it, hit me up. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of common what I did. I just wanted to get my story out there and she loved it. She said, sure, I'll, I'll give you a chapter in a book and, and we'll put your, your story out there. And so I got the third chapter of a book that she had written and she's written like 20 books. And so it became an Amazon bestseller. You know, at the same time, CBN came out to my house, the 700 club. Uh, they, you know, I called them up and said, Hey, here's my story. I use it if you'd like. And they came to visit and, you know, here comes the CBN testimony that got shown nationwide. Um, a woman in my gym, we were just talking. I was sharing my story and she's like, do you know what I do? Well, turns out she wrote for a local magazine and she's like, we have to have that story in our magazine. So I ended up getting put into a <laughs> magazine. Awesome. Um, and then I met this incredible, I'm just <laughs> Evan money, this guy, check him out when you can. Very, very, um, upbeat man. And, and, um, you know, I got linked up with him at the gym and, and I was talking to him and he's a motivational speaker. You know, this guy's a motivational speaker. He's a man of God. And I was like, you know, I kind of want to do what you do, but I want to do it with my testimony. Um, I want to share more of the realities of this world. Um, motivational speaking has its place. I want to share. That's what I want to do. And, and so he's like connecting me with, you know, Christopher Worth and Nicole Jansen and he gets me on their podcast. Now they're like, well, now you need a website. And so all of a sudden, like I'm creating a, I have someone create a website for me. So now I have a website. Now I'm on these podcasts and we got a chapter in a book, a CBN video, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, things really started to open up and, I've had an opportunity to be on plenty of podcasts and and share my story. And, you know, we're still moving forward, you know, um, being here in Colorado Springs, you know, it's, there's a lot of Christianity here. There's a lot of fitness here. Those are two of my favorite things. And my, my goal here, and, and I believe that God has led us here so that I can, pour my story and share my experiences with the folks here. I mean, there's so many churches here and there's so much fitness here. And, and I believe that, you know, with my faith and my fitness, I've been able to, to build a really strong foundation, which has allowed me to be a better husband and a better father and a better friend and a better brother. You know, I've been able to, you know, God's given me spiritual workouts and then I have my physical workouts and, and, uh, you know, I, I believe that they work together. So you know, would you say making be. it on to Beyond the Rut is kind of the pinnacle of your life? So <laughs> well played, sir. Kind well of played. made it now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, well played. Man. Well played. Well played. Right? Like this is this is where you I have a coke that. and a smile, like product go. placement all day. I, I made <laughs> um, it. I'm good. That's what we I really wanna... love about your story is it's about. Uh, you know, somebody who at, against all the odds, God was able to use all these broken pieces to put together to build this family that now he's going to use in Colorado right. Springs, where you had no interest or intention of living, you know, when you were a kid or a teenager or even in your 20s. No. And now that's where Correct. your ministry is built. So, you know, that right. that's what's so awesome about him being in charge instead of us, you know, in those situations. Well, him being in charge gives me great peace, too. I mean, here's the thing. You know, we live in a culture that's a very high-stress culture, and a lot of us are very sick, and people are getting cancer because of the amount of stress that's in our lives. And, you know, um, what I find in Christ is that, you know, I can find rest in him. Like, he's my Sabbath. He's my rest, and 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 that gives me peace, and that gives me healing. 
And um, I, I, I believe that we live in a culture and a generation where there's so much information thrown at us all the time. You know, it's all about keeping up with the Joneses. You know, there's so much stress. Like I'm in fitness. There's a certain level of stress that is really good. You know, when I put stress on my muscles, they tear down to build back up to become stronger. I believe there's a certain amount of stress spiritually and, and, and physically and mentally and emotionally that's actually beneficial for you, that actually builds you up and makes you stronger. But then there's too much stress where it's a complete <laughs> detriment to your health physically, exactly. mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And I think that our culture has fallen into that place where people are sick in all those realms. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to do my part and to shine some light or the light right. <laughs> on the situation and be like, Hey, you know, uh, uh, some of these things that we can actually alter, you right. know, but we have to get people focused again and back on track and realizing what's important and what's not important and what you can control and what you cannot control. And I love that God has control. Um, when I, when I worry the most is when I start making it about me and trying to control <laughs> the situation myself. Exactly. All right. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on. It was great to get to talk to you and, and we're friends on Instagram now. So I get to watch you, uh, work out and just see some of the great things that you're getting to do. <laughs> and, you just like, no, that seemed a little weird. Never mind. Now, that you you just got blocked by another Rob. Ah, just, just so you know. <laughs> right. I have a very, right. very anti Rob kind of rant about me, I guess. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> Rob Lowe, Rob Decker. Right. I was right. watching well, Rob Lowe work out one time. That could have something to do with it. Uh, well, I didn't just, belong to that. Just gym. tell, just tell Rob Lowe that you, you know, you're friends with Robs. You like Robs. Robs are amazing. They tr they're terrific. They always there have cool stories. I'm but a like, big Rob Mr. Fan. Lowe, let's let's hear your story. <laughs> I've already got five kids, but I'm gonna have another one, and we're gonna name it Rob. We're, there we're <laughs> right there, you go. <laughs> right? Oh, is not listening to that. Now, if you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 151. There you'll find links to robdeckerspeaks.com, plus his Instagram, his Facebook, the book that we mentioned, uh, The Missing Piece and Spirituality that he had a chapter written in, and also some of the past episodes we've had of folks who've overcome sexual assault in their lives folks who've overcome addiction and so on. We've actually interviewed quite a few folks, we found out. Folks like Melissa Monte, uh, Casey Nicole Fox. Uh, oh man, the list goes on. I wrote the names down and I put the list over there on the other side of my room. Sorry about that. In any case, you're going to find some episodes of ours where we've shared with you other stories similar, but I mean, none of them jumped out of a third story building. One of the things I noticed, and I just want to share this with you, is we're so grateful that Rob took the time to share that story with us. We hope you found value in it. And uh, just reach out to us if you want to share your story. Code, go to beyondtherut.com slash 151. Leave it in the, uh, the comment section or shoot us an email, info at beyondtherut.com. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook, Beyond the Rut. Now, the best way you can support our show is to share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. So if you know somebody like that, go ahead and share this link with them. Again, beyondtherut.com slash 151. We're going to be back next week with another episode. Until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. And one thing I like to add at the end of our episodes is like, if there's a blooper that comes up, 
I'll, I'll do a little like uh, self-deprecating blooper at the end of the episode after the music has gone away. Wait, you're gonna you're gonna poop on the blooper? No. <laughs> you, no. You're, you're defecating on. I'm not. Now? Gonna, I'm not. No. <laughs> what are we defecate? What what kind of what show, kind is, of show this? is this? That's, a, that's, that's an interview we're doing at eight o'clock. Right. Yeah. This isn't a parachute. What's going on? <laughs> You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.